Welcome to the Doctor Patient Forum, a no holds barred patient advocacy podcast discussing why millions of pain patients continue to suffer, but most importantly, who caused the suffering. Join us as we discuss how you can help end the untreated pain crisis. Before we get started on this episode of the Doctor Patient Forum podcast, I would love to just give a quick shout out to our brand new patrons who have joined the Doctor Patient Forum Patreon page since our last podcast episode. A shout out and huge thank you to Haley, Tanya, Jay, Cody, Tiffany, Audrey, Suspicious Overwatch Observer, Joranda, DM, Rose, Morgan, Kathleen, Sherry, Cheryl, Drusilla, Angela, Mary, Vicki, Julie, Angelica, Missy, Sunshine, Dana, Z, Susie, Mary, Laura, Brittany, Dawn, Sue, Sheila, Anne-Marie, Red, Lisa, Patricia, Jeannie, and Sandra. It was a busy two weeks on Patreon, and we are so grateful to all of you who have subscribed to our page. Before we started actually recording for this episode, we had a discussion with Cameron about the funding from ACSH. And I just wanted to play that before you hear us introducing this episode because we've already gotten a lot of comments about their funding. And so I just want you to hear from Cameron's own mouth what their funding situation is. Cameron, thanks for coming on to doing this. You know, let me tell you what happened. Yeah. I, I promoted the article that you wrote for American Council in Science. And once I promote them, I don't look at it till the next day. And oh yeah. my God. Yes. It was a, well, Claudia Mirandi, they're industry funded. And I still don't know what that means because we only get to, we don't, we don't receive funding from anybody. But then Bev broke it down and it doesn't look like American Council gets a whole lot of money from any industry. It looks like you're funded by maybe private donors. That's mostly true. To, to be, to be completely honest, I actually don't know who our donors yeah. are because mm. uh, and Josh may have told you this when he was on yep, the show but he did. Yeah. yeah there's there's a firewall for anyone who doesn't know about ACSH we're we're just a science focused nonprofit and we debunk yeah. nonsense and we tell you what you really need to be scared of and what you can yeah. say you know this is just a crazy activist group telling you that you should be afraid of baby food <laughs> yeah yeah right? so this is this is what we do but we don't know where the money comes from and that's yeah. deliberate they don't want us to be influenced by where it comes from yeah. so my understanding it is individuals and foundations and there mm. there may be a little bit of industry support but i don't know where it comes from i don't have any relationship with any pharma yeah. company uh, yeah. you know, in relation to opioids, I don't get paid for what I wrote. I just saw painkiller and I said, this is preposterous. I have to. All right. Well, I'm glad you about... did. Hey, Claudia, right. when you promoted it, they called us for the first time. They called us Purdue, Purdue boot lickers. What did they call us? <laughs> I'm, I've been called everything. People think I'm a relative of the Sackler family <laughs> or they think I'm an under. I mean, the craziest shit has been said. There's so many lies. Yeah. Welcome to this episode of the Doctor Patient Forum podcast. I'm Claudia Mirandi. This is my colleague Bev, and we have an interesting guest with us today. <laughs> if you folks follow us, you know that we speak out against television shows or movies, whatever they are, like Painkiller and and Dope Sick. And a few weeks ago, I promoted an article that was put out by American Council on Science and Health. And after I did that, I got my ass kicked. <laughs> and where 
fortunate because we have the the journalist with us who wrote that article. Welcome to the podcast, Cameron English. Hey, thank you both so much. I just want to say, if you get called a corporate shill, you're doing it right. So welcome to yeah. the club. It's very exciting. <laughs> it means it means you're irritating all the right people. So oh, that's so good for, to know. Yeah, thank forge you. ahead. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, and after I promoted it, I haven't watched Painkiller because Oof. I th- I think if I do, Cameron, I won't be useful to anybody. I haven't watched Dopesick, <laughs> so and bad. I I choose not to watch these because I won't be a good advocate the next day. So Bev has watched these shows. She debunks them, and you've done a great job doing. The same thing. As a little background, Cameron is a writer. He's an editor, co-host of the Science Facts and Fallacies podcast. And it looks like before joining ACSH, you were managing editor at the Genetic Literacy Project. That's another nonprofit committed to aiding the public, media, and policymakers by promoting science literacy. How did you come across American... How, how did you run into Josh Bloom, of all people? Yeah, we love a, Josh. Yeah, we I, do. I, yes, Josh is. Um, I don't. I don't know how to how to say this except that, that I love love the guy. He's he's great. Yeah. He's, he's not only is he a really good scientist and a great communicator, but he's passionate about the yeah. topics he he discusses. So years ago, this was 2018. I had just started a different podcast, and I had been following him for a while. And of course, I saw his writing about the fentanyl epidemic and and the mis misunderstanding about opioids and so forth. And so I reached out to him, and you know, I was just some little guy with a tiny podcast. You know, who am I? But I said, hey. I'd love to talk about this. Your articles are really counterintuitive and I think people need to hear it. And he said, yeah, sure. You know, so he came on the show and we just went through the line of fallacies that people believe about this issue. And he just knocked them over one at a time. And we'll get into some today. But he what stuck with me most is he said this issue could affect anybody listening to this. All it would take is a bad car accident broken back, a smashed knee. It doesn't matter. You know, you could be one of these people who can't get the medication they need and who gets yeah. misconstrued as a drug addict. You need to be aware of that. And that really stuck with me at the time because I had just gotten married. My wife and I were no. you know, getting ready to start a family and, and buy a house. And I thought, you know, if something like that happens to me, I might not be able to, you know, play baseball with my son or, yeah. you know, go, go to work or, or just live a functional life. And so I haven't written much about this. Painkiller is the first time I really jumped into the discussion. But what I've learned from Josh and from folks like you over the years is is really influenced the way that I deal with media criticism of science issues or other public health issues. Because there's so many parallels and we can discuss this, too. There's so many similarities between the kind of activist groups and the plaintiffs attorneys and the regulators you know it's just it's just such a mess and so anyways that's a long way of saying that's how i came across um josh and acsh's work on this and you know why i'm talking to you today yeah and you're a journalist did you get your degree in journalism i didn't i want to be gentle here but journalism degrees are printed pieces of paper you know they're yeah they're, they're, they're not very useful. So really, I, I have experience, you know. So when I was young, I got a science journalism internship uh, in 2008 or nine or so, and I was good at it. And so I just kept doing it and I kept mm-hmm. writing for no money for a long time <laughs> and, and, you know, networking and, and developing experience and developing a portfolio. And then, you know, here I am today doing this kind of work. Yeah, I read your article probably <laughs> 
100 times. I, I mean, I kept reading it. I was on yeah. the Stairmaster and I was yeah. reading it. And then yeah. I was at work and I was reading it. And I don't read. I'm not a reader. Bev is an <laughs> avid, avid reader. But I don't like to read anything that's going to make me doubt our advocacy because so yeah. many days the life has been sucked out of us. And when, when I first read it, I was like, oh, my God, who is this person? And yeah. Bev, Bev reached out to you and here you are. And, you know, in your article, you compared painkiller to Aaron Brockovich. Now people call me people call me Aaron Brockovich all the time. People always say, Claudia, you're the Aaron Brockovich of opioids. I was like, I don't think Aaron Brockovich is gonna like that because nobody nobody wants to even be you know, nobody even wants to be recognized as somebody who promotes OxyContin as something positive. And I'm living proof if it wasn't for OxyContin, I lived in a hospital bed for 10 years. OxyContin saved my life. So yeah. let's talk about that comparison that you made. Sure. I call it this this phenomenon we're talking about. I call it the Aaron Brockovich redux. And the reason I call it that, and, and let me say, by the way, you we need people in the world who are like Aaron Brockovich in that they are private citizens. They're just passionate yeah. about a given issue. They see something wrong and then they get involved, you know, so that sort of activism or I think I think uh, Sally Sattel calls it reactivism because you're yeah. reacting to silliness in the world. You know, yeah. we need we need people to do that. But when I say that it's like Aaron Brockovich, there's there's four basic themes that you'll see in, in any kind of movie or show like painkiller so and check these off with me right there's the bad corporate villain obligatory evil rich greedy you know hates babies and bunnies and just (laughs) wants to make money no matter the cost right just a pure psychopath there's the innocent victim and this could be you know a single mother or it could be a hard-working mechanic like the case in painkiller and you know, they're inadvertently exposed to the big bad corporate villains product or they use it under false pretenses and then they suffer some kind of disease or addiction as a result of it. Right. And then yep. this the third one here, this drives me bananas, my friends. There's the brave <laughs> there's the brave underdog that blows the lid off the conspiracy. And this is always, almost always naturally, it's a federal prosecutor or a federal investigator mm-hmm. or it's a plaintiff's attorney. If you know anything about how this this whole scam works, this whole, you know, this tort yep. litigation. If you know how this works, you know that that's just a blatant lie. <laughs> the, like yes. these these people are almost always evil. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll get into uh, specifics later. But finally, the fourth one is you have a complex problem like addiction in this case or, mm-hmm. you know, like like legitimate pain management. And it's 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 a very, very nuanced issue. There's a lot of variables it's it's readily solved with lawsuits or federal litigate or uh, federal regulation right yeah. that's the the problem is either resolved or the the audience is left with the with the conclusion that if we just had another law if we just had yeah. more lawyers we could get this in right. check you know yeah so i'll stop there but that's sort of the framing and 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 bev you can you can talk about this if you want to since you watched the show that's very clearly the outline they were following yeah. here yeah. Yeah, they definitely did. And it's been followed that way in Dope Sick and, and all, mm. right from the start. And when yeah. Claudia and I first started doing this, we we were like, what's their end game? Why are they doing this? What what are they trying to get at? Until we understood what you just explained, like that multi-district litigation, that what we mm-hmm. call the litigation narrative. Like that is absolutely, it, it, like you said, it's a blueprint. It's exactly mm-hmm. what they did. People yeah. believe it though. That's what's yeah. so camera. Of course when they I do. See, when I see the TikToks, right? Yeah. This really resonates with people and people, 
and I, I've, I've been tagged. I, I think I have 300,000 people who follow me on TikTok. Probably 50,000. Claudia and Mirandy, have you seen Painkiller? And finally, I said, listen, I've got Crohn's disease. If I watch Painkiller, I'm going to come out of remission. So, yeah. but the people that believe it, and one lady attacks me, she's like, you have no idea. My daddy got addicted to Oxycontin. And then I said, wait a minute, you just said daddy got addicted to Oxycontin, but and the other and the other breath you said daddy was an alcoholic so what is it yeah was he an alcoholic or was he an oxycontin and that's what yeah and that's what they always leave out they always leave out those who do tend to develop addiction already struggled with addiction just like nan golden you know her she's the one who's in everything okay well she was addicted to heroin before she ever got oxycontin but no one ever talks about that it's all about going after purdue after purdue after the sacklers and tearing down the sackler name and no one seems to care that that's not helping anyone and here's the thing cameron no one really cares about these mothers who lost their children they just pretend to care and exploit their grief for a payday and that that to me is one of the most disgusting parts of it because these mothers have real grief they don't know they're being exploited yeah yeah well there's two things that we can cover there so the first is that i think people are ready to believe a narrative like this because most of us have a true sense of right and wrong you know like objectively you can look at something going on that's evil and you can say that's bad i know that's bad yeah. And so when a show takes a very tightly knit, a very well produced narrative like Painkiller, it is really well acted. It's well written, I think, just just from the perspective of entertainment. Yeah. When, when people see that. That's entertainment. Com- that, yes. There yes. you go. Entertainment. Yes. Yeah, my yeah. husband watched it with me and he was like, it really is entertaining. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but it's re- it's preposterous, though. Yes. Yeah. Like Matthew Broderick as as a villain. Very good. You know, Ferris Bueller yeah. is not just a right? high schooler, you know. <laughs> Right. He's 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 a he's a demon very well, too. But in any case, people are willing to believe that narrative. So I think if you understand that, you can approach a discussion and you can untangle that. You can say, hey, you want a villain? You know, let's talk about prop. Let's talk about the DEA. Let's get, you know, this is real devious. Let's talk about people that are killing themselves because they can't get the medicine they need. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the whole, you know, I you know, my daddy got addicted. Let me tell you, my daddy got addicted, too. And so did my auntie and so did this person and so did my, you know, yeah. really good friends of mine. And yeah, in every right. case, and if you look at the literature on this, I mentioned Sally Sattel, but if you read her, or you read Carl Hart or you yeah. read any other or uh, Theodore Dalrymple, who is a physician in the UK, he wrote a book called Life at the Bottom. I highly recommend Ooh, that. I never read, read it. It's, it's excellent. If you read really? any of the, if you read any of these folks, what they will tell you is that a you know, addiction doesn't just pop up. Like no one's right. having a lovely life and they go, you know what would make this better is heroin. <laughs> I, I Listen, I Cameron, I always say that. And you know, the people that I advocate for with substance use disorder, they come from a long line of addicts. Yes. A lot of times they do. And, and another comment that's Bev, it's all over TikTok. I lost all of my friends from OxyContin. I was like, hold the phone. I don't know anybody whose yeah. life was harmed by, it was so convenient to vilify the Sackler family and vilify OxyContin. But I say, you know what? At the end of the day, the Sackler family's guilty of making a great product. Well, and I'm not saying pharma does, doesn't do shady things. I mean, if these people have gone after the Sacklers for so many years that if they really wanted to fix the system, they would have gone after other pharmaceutical companies that 
promote their product the way they promoted theirs. I'm not saying because whenever I say OxyContin was a good product and it didn't happen the way then people are like, oh, so you love Purdue. No, I never said that. Like, I don't care about the Sacklers. Like, they're not my friends. I don't really care. But, you know, this whole like revolving door thing and this whole issue with Curtis Wright, that's their favorite thing. But I mean, Chris Christie did the exact same thing for $800,000, not $400,000 when he went from being a governor and the National Opioid Commission chairperson to Pasira within I think weeks like I don't even think it was a year it was like weeks or months or or whatever so how come they don't go after that they don't care it's did you see Peter Berg on on Joe Rogan I, I did. I almost crashed my car several times. This oh, because is I, oh, that's good because I have some clips for you. I want you to play. I'm going to play him in a little bit because he doesn't even understand the issue. You can tell he doesn't yeah. even know what he's talking about. He yeah. just he just doesn't. Yeah. You know, I don't. Before we get into those, um, yeah. th- I just want to make a general comment. You know, the fact that an industry like Hollywood, as corrupt and as, as debauched as these yeah. filmmakers are, the yeah. fact and I and I, I wrote a, a, re- a review of Grey's Anatomy uh, last year. Yeah. Because my wife watched it religiously, and there's just so much garbage, you know, about you know the claims they make about nicotine, or you know this person's got a tree growing in their stomach. It's just like yeah. all this absurd stuff yeah. that they force on people. It's mm-hmm. it's nonsense, yeah. you know. So yeah. I, I said in that article, and I reiterated it in this painkiller review, is that you have these people who are greedy, they're corrupt. Yeah. There's sexual scandals galore. Yeah. Right. The most dysfunctional people. Right. Just read the tabloids. You know, the fact that these people are going to get on a perch and preen as as arbiters of justice and looking out for the little guy. Bullshit. Yeah. You know, I just don't want to hear it. These are actors and folks, if you're watching this, please don't get your science from Hollywood. No, because it's really, really bad. It's bad. And Joe Rogan was correcting him throughout that throughout the podcast about some other things. But when it came down to some of the stuff he said, I'm like, wait a second. What did you just say? Like, that makes absolutely no sense. We've gone through some of the dope sick lies, but it's the same narrative throughout. They said opioids is the next big tobacco and they said that prior to uh, opioid litigation and there's a few things that they had to have for that to happen and one was opioids can't really serve any good purpose and so they had to make it sound like they don't work for anybody and they just cause everyone to become addicted but the other thing is we listened to a podcast from a lawyer it's called results don't lie and they were the first lawyer i think that the case was coon versus walden they went after in like 2016 they went out for a doctor hospital system for a guy not dying he just became addicted and they were awarded like millions and millions of dollars he and his wife got a divorce and so they said it was his fault and these lawyers walk you through this the series and they said it was done to him because we need the jury to be sympathetic to him and see the doctor as the aggressor doing something to the guy. And that's how it is here. But unfortunately, pain patients have been left to suffer because we're not even allowed to be a victim group anymore. Like no one allows us to even say, hey, we're suffering over here. Then we were attacked by people with addiction on the harm reduction side. Then we're attacked by everyone. It's like we're not even allowed to be. No one willing to say look opioids work for some people yeah yeah Cameron, did you get much pushback after you wrote this article yes substantially <laughs> so yeah I, well let I me, love let, me let, let me clarify let me clarify first of all i don't know if i have some kind of personality disorder but i thrive on being attacked for that because it just oh. it kind of fuels my drive is that you I, claudia <laughs> i just I, I i like like if i stake a position and i like and i say 
I have the facts on my side. Yes. I have good scholars looking <laughs> right, at my work right, who are telling right. me that I have the facts. Yes. Let's go, dude. I, yeah. You know I what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not and afraid then, of... And, and you know, yeah. Cameron, the only way they react is, well, you're industry funded. See, that's yeah. all they've got. Yeah. That's all they've got. And yeah. Cameron, you can't reason with these fucking sociopaths. <laughs> the only response is, I organized protests outside Andrew Kolodny's uh, Brandeis University. And yeah. the Brandeis who, or whatever their school newspaper is, he'll say the same thing. Because one, there'll be another yeah. activist there, but she is pharma funded, and he'll say, "Well, they of course they do this. They're they're pharmacy funded. They're, they're he paid. loves he loves going after Josh and ACSH. Yeah. He oh, loves that. Yeah. God, yeah. God bless him. He's adorable. It's really funny though. It's like if yeah, you want to, adorable. If, the fetal if wanna, position. If you want to sell Suboxone, well, that's fine. You know, that's that, sure. There's no corruption there. Mm-hmm. Right. Know, it's only, right. It's How only many... the bad evil pharmas that we want to. You know, it's such a joke. Like. Everyone in this discussion has an incentive That's to right. say something one way or the other. So, That's so right. like as I mentioned briefly, you know, I have family members that have struggled with addiction. Yeah. Some have beat it. Some have been killed by it. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So I have a stake in this. There's lots of people that have financial stakes. If you know, if you're someone like like Kolodny or one of the, you know few few Berman or like one of these people. <laughs> You get paid truckloads of money That's to right. be an expert consultant in litigation That's or right. to be to be a expert advisor on programs like painkiller. So 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 that's fine. Okay, call me a corporate shill and and I'll tell you my response in a second. Call me a shill, call Josh a shill, whatever. But let's let's have the same standard, right? So let's say, okay, well, if you're going right. to get paid 450 bucks an hour by a lawyer to attack pharma or who or whomever what what's that is is it just because they're the good guys that's right that, that it's allowed you know? Exactly that, you know right cameron it's changing because i work i i work on laws now protecting these doctors and finally lawmakers they'll call me and they'll say well wait a minute wait a minute what's going on here why are people dying yeah. we were told yeah. we were told if we put these laws in place restricting yeah. what a doctor could prescribe that overdoses would decline. And and when I testified, I was like, you were duped. Just yeah. that was, they you are, were duped. They all were. And they literally created a new industry. They created this opioid reductionism or elimination industry. And all of these different parts of that industry came together. So you have like interventional pain. You have some pharmaceutical companies who claim to have the cure for the opioid crisis, like in Devere or whatever. You know, you have multi-district litigation. You have all these other sides that really came together for a mutual goal of reducing or eliminating opioids. Uh, And that's what happened. And they have billions and billions and billions of dollars. And they do, they make like I think most of them make $750 an hour as expert witnesses in, in litigation. And these are serial expert witnesses over and over also. And no one seems to care about that. They don't declare it. No, they don't disclose that COI. I mean, we go after them when they don't. We write letters to the editor and then they'll come back and they'll have to be like, print a correction. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Cameron, have you heard from, because pa- I'm going to promote your article again uh, when we're done with this podcast. And I get my ass kicked every time. And I <laughs> I mean, I actually, I love Not it because me. when we, I know Bev reacts differently because we we're slaughtered. I mean, slaughtered. And as soon as I'm slaughtered, I'll put my hand on the pillow. I don't give a shit because, yeah, you know, when you just it. said you have the facts on your side, but the facts don't seem to matter. But your article really gave people yeah. hope. Have you yeah. heard from some of the pain patients? 
I have. Well, let me let me say I should have said this at the top. I really yeah. want to thank thank both of you and your followers because I I followed the response to the article because if somebody does have legitimate criticism, I will engage, and if I got something yeah. wrong, I'll, I'll I'll correct it. I'm not above that, you know. I'm only human. Cool. But I was following the discussions, and people would, you know, some some minor celebrity would say, "Oh, you got to watch Painkiller. It's unbelievable." I know. And it it was someone who follows you. I'm pretty sure because I would find you guys and I would find people <laughs> interacting with you, and yeah. they'd be like. This show is utter garbage. This is a dumpster fire. Read this article. I you love know, that. So, so thousands Excellent. upon thousands of people saw my article because Excellent. of you guys. Because I have ah, a loyal, I have a loyal fan base of science nerds and and economics yeah. nerds that read my stuff. But mm. you guys have this really dedicated community. I found out a couple weeks ago the Wikipedia article for Painkiller actually cites my article. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Oh, no, that's naturally, great. Naturally, they said, they said, you know, Cameron English writing for ACSH, a pro-industry group, oh, there you, of course says, said that. says, you know, Purdue wasn't blamed. And it's like, look, the second paragraph in the article acknowledges that Purdue did bad, evil exactly. things. Okay. Exactly. But nevertheless, they cited the article and, and several thousand people have clicked that footnote and read my story. Excellent. And I owe you guys a huge oh, chunk good. of the credit for, for promoting that. I don't that. understand this. And I said, Bev, I don't understand what pro-industry means. So it means that because we only get. It we, just we, means you take money from a, an org, like a company to promote their products or promote, but, like go against the, the right. opposite of their product. Like but it just, why isn't, isn't Andrew Kolodny taking $750 they don't from, consider, from lawyers? Isn't they that don't legal consider that. industry? That, they don't, that's not I mean, the same. He has to declare it as a, disclose it as a conflict of interest. I mean, they didn't at first with the CDC guidelines and then they had to go back and disclose it. And they often do not disclose it in when they write um, studies and stuff and then they have to go back and disclose it yeah. but it's not considered like you can't look up a doctor like that and say hey how much money has he gotten on litigation we've talked about this there needs to be a place to look it up obviously these people are literal shows for for mdl i mean that's all that they are and and yeah. they're given a narrative you know lemke's one of the worst they're given a narrative Ew, they have to follow it and Cameron, you know who anna lemke is right she wrote like dopamine nation and drug dealer okay mm. well if you if you notice after she finished testifying against opioids she all she talks about now is social media and technology and i am almost positive that this woman is going to be an expert witness when there is litigation against social media i think that's what she's gearing up to do because that's all she talks about now all of a sudden yeah. opioids don't matter to her hey one, one thing going back yeah. to joe rogan for a second oh, yeah, yeah. This, i've noticed this with other episodes he's done but he'll have somebody on like peter berg who directed yeah. painkiller if people don't know that they're, yeah. they're talking about, you know, pharma is so evil and they yeah. hooked people and they got away with it yeah. and they're not going to jail. And then it cuts to a commercial break and you hear Joe Rogan's voice. It's like, this episode's brought to you by online gambling. Right. You know, right. sign up now. Use coupon code Rogan. And yeah. then at the very end, literally, like, if, if right. you struggle with gambling addiction, call 1-800-555. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. you guys are spending three and a half hours talking about the evils of addiction and how mm. big corporations are hooking people on products that are dangerous. That's right. And then you're taking ad money from an online sports book company? Are you kidding me? And don't and, think Hulu did the yes, same thing. They, yes, they took yeah. money, every every commercial was pharma. Yeah. It was, and, and again, and, and I'm not slamming people that need, like if you need generic viagra you know god bless you right i don't i don't want to i don't want to <laughs> yeah. get in, in between you and you know enjoying your your life or your relationship nevertheless 
I was I watched Dope Sick after Painkiller because I'm trying to get a, a oh. like a pulse on on how yeah. they how they frame these discussions or these shows. Yeah, and it's like you know, it's like I forget the lead actress's name, but she's the DE agent. She says, yeah. "If we get these 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 Those Purdue bastards, yeah. we're gonna end this pandemic." And then it cuts to a break, and it's like generic Viagra from Hims or yeah. it's, or yeah. it's yeah. eczema medication. Yeah. It's like how. How cynical are you, again, back to yeah. Hollywood, how cynical are you that you're yeah. going to tell this story about, uh, you know, corporate corruption and then you're going to take money from the industry right. you're bashing? Yeah. That's, That's exactly right. And, and I don't think, you know, people always ask me, can you get on Joe Rogan? I was like, you know what? He's not open. Joe is against opioids, but Joe isn't yeah. against steroids. That's the yeah. thing. Or Joe marijuana. Went- yeah, and, or, or, or the psychedelics, mushrooms. Or, or shrooms that they were joking or about. Or, right, or right. tobacco. And, or... and Joe's very involved in this industry, uh, in this steroid-driven industry with MMA. I'm a fitness competitor, and I've got a lot of respect for, you know, I've got a lot of things in common with Joe. I'm a gym rat. I have been since I was a kid. So, And I just lost all respect because I don't think these people realize that veterans who serve our country they will call us before their first suicide yeah. attempt yeah. and i'm i'm advocating for lawyers for doctors for former dea agents yeah. i hear from people i i advocated for a judge whose son has als yeah. And, and he was forced to choose between his benzo or his opioid. And to them, it's just it's just Hollywood, right? You put out the podcast, you move on, but they don't understand. And this is why we're so passionate. But tell me, what pain patient stories resonated with you, if any, that reached out to you? Yeah, well, okay. There's there's multiple. The ones that are most shocking to me are not the ones that I've I've heard or been involved in, but Josh, and I think he said this on your show, but but he's gotten multiple emails from people yeah. who are saying, I am in excruciating pain and I'm ready to end my life. What's the yeah. best way to do it? You know? Yeah. And, and it's like, I can't imagine, like getting an email like that, you're like, yeah. like, like, listen, I'm really sorry. I can't tell you the best way to end your yeah. existence, right? But, yeah. but here's the one story. So the co-host of my podcast, her name's Dr. Liza Dunn. She was an ER physician for many years. Oh, okay. And so she's had a lot of experience with pain management and dealing with people who are really <laughs> sick. And she retweeted the article and she said, I first realized that the opioid epidemic was more complex than I was led to believe because I had a, a patient who had breast cancer and metastasized to her spine Wow. And she was terminal and her doctor prescribed her Percocet for the pain control. And she one one time she accidentally overdosed. She took too much of it. And so Liza, my, my co-host on the, on the podcast, I do, she was asked to do an addiction consult on this woman. And she, she replied to the doctor. She's like, you know, this might not be the best approach because she's probably <laughs> going to be dead in a month. So I don't know that she needs, I don't know that she needs addiction counseling. I think you just need to help her manage her, her pain, give her whatever medication she needs and teach her how to write dosing and interval and all that and make sure she's taken care of because she's not going to be here for very long. So, you know, hearing that story. And then there was another one, um, Jacob Solom from Reason Magazine. He wrote an article. We wrote an article him. in 2018. Yeah. He ended mm-hmm. the story with, it was it was an anecdote of a gentleman, military veteran. He was put on uh, opioids to control the pain from his <laughs> from his injury. He was, it was in Iraq, I think, something like that. And he was tapered off as, you know, after the, the CDC guidelines went in place. And he broke into his best friend's house, stole his gun. He wrote a suicide note in all caps. He said, sorry, I broke in and stole your gun. I can't take it anymore. Bye. And then he killed himself with, with yeah. his friend's gun, you know? So it's like, 
I hear about that and I go, what is wrong with us? This is barbarism. This yeah. is just evil, you yeah. know? And it's like, and as, as one of you mentioned earlier, you're not helping addicts. You're not helping people who are in a bad place. Nope. You're not teaching people that they are accountable <clears throat> for the actions that they take nope. and that they have exactly. agency and that they can respond. Not that it's easy, but they can respond to difficult circumstances. You're not helping them. You're just misdirecting. That's right. All the resources and all the energy that should be solving these problems. Because yeah. it's easy to do. Right. And that, that's what I found when I when I sit down with lawmakers. One lawmaker, she's like, God, we thought we were doing something good. And I said, yeah. but you did something bad. Yeah. And and now, and, and I said five years ago, I was like, just wait. He said, don't call me when you need help because I'm not going to help your ass. And that's the thing. <laughs> now it's gotten to acute pain. This isn't just about OxyContin. Mm. It hasn't been for a very long time. It's, it's pretty bad with acute pain now. And uh, we hear some really terrible stories. I mean, and now we're hearing like anonymous tips from nurses and stuff, like in trauma units and hospitals who say they oh. have to like, they're told mm. to sit and hold these children when they're screaming in pain because they're not allowed to give them anything but I time and all and then we tell the stories and they're like oh you're just fear-mongering and it mm -hmm. is it is cancer it is sickle cell it is everybody nobody is excluded from this anymore and you know what bothered me also about the joe rogan show i mean i like joe rogan i think he's yeah. usually pretty fair but what bothered me about it is he did something that is so common now he's like oh well when i broke my nose I didn't take shit. Just don't take it, man. Just like you're, you want a medal. You want a trophy. Yeah. You think you're this amazing person because you didn't take opioids for something. Okay, that's great. Woohoo. Good for you. But that doesn't mean I have to follow suit. Like, why do you think you're so special? Because yeah. you. Yeah. And Cameron, a lady came up to me in Target. She's like, I follow you. I, and I I grabbed my daughter because I was like, oh, my God, who's it? Because you never know when, <laughs> I, when, I, yeah. when, when I'm yeah. recognized. And she's like, I had my knee replaced. I didn't take any opioid. I didn't have any narcotics. Good any for narcotics. you. And I said, I was like, what? What the fuck? And I said, we're not passing. There's no blue ribbons. I said, and right. I, I, I yeah. don't care if you take opioids. I don't care if you don't take opioids, but we must stop applauding. But the media's done that, But right? they make it, the other thing, Claudia, is they make it sound like it's an option. Like Joe Rogan's like, well, if you have this, then it's okay to take some, but refuse it as though it's an option. It's not yeah. an option. No one's getting an option. And if you're getting a mastectomy, you might be getting five pills, maybe if you're lucky. And then you get to go to the emergency room and they call you a drug seeker and send you home and then offer yeah. you Suboxone. And, you know, it's this isn't an option. People aren't given a choice. Anymore. Cameron, are you going to write about this again? Because oh I gosh, think I it hope so. Be, I, yeah. yeah, I said, oh my god, I hope they have another shitty show that comes out where Cameron can really write about it. But we would love, we would love more of your uh, yes. just to have you in our corner. It means so much, and you're a young guy, right? Yeah. And life, yeah. life can change on a dime, Cameron. I'm, and I'm so glad that you recognize that because a lot of young guys. Oh, I don't know. oh yeah? yeah. Wait. Have uh, my my advice to people who with that 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 uh, perspective is have kids, because overnight you're responsible for another life. Someone yeah. that's totally dependent on you. They're vulnerable. They could be taken advantage of. 
And for me, that's what I was like for on a, on a lot of different topics, you know, it was like, I need to take better care of myself yeah. and I need to set a good example for him. That's right. And, and when I look out in, into the broader policy world and I go, and it just I, like having a young child to care for, yeah. to love, you know, someone that you would die for, like, it's one thing to understand that intellectually, but to, yeah. but to know that experience. Well, to feel it because you yeah. feel it now. And this right. is why Bev and I really got involved with this is because I inherited Crohn's disease from my dad. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's just that shitty disease that keeps on giving. And Bev and I, we said, wow, what if, um, yeah, what if our, our kids have daughters, disease? what if yeah. our daughters yeah. get Crohn's disease? And, uh, you know, Cameron, my dad was a city bus driver. He graduated from college when he was 45 years old. And I was probably 22. I worked on cruise ships at the time. I came home. I was very, very sick with Crohn's disease. Like so, so sick. I was in the bathroom every hour nonstop. But that was my dad's life too. And I just remember I was so sick and dehydrated. And my dad said, look, you know, the doctor called in some pain medication for you. And he gave it to me and he's like, listen, Claude, because he used to call me Claude. Now this was 35 years ago. He said, these can, people get hooked on these. So you've got to be, you only take it if you absolutely need to. So I woke up and I went on TikTok. I said, wait a minute, how did my dad know Yeah. 35 years ago that yeah. pain pills could be habit forming? And nobody else in the world knew right. except yeah. for my dad, a city yeah. bus driver. I was like, you're all full of shit. Yeah. You all knew they were a Everybody, and you know, people like, oh, oh, Claudia, how now you're shaming families. I was like, I'm not shaming anybody. Take some yeah. fucking accountability and stop yeah. blaming me. Yeah, because yeah, we get blamed. They come to us and they say, it's your fault our family member is dead. It's my fault because I've taken opioids that your family member died. Yeah. And it's not, but they're given that information. I do want to ask you, of of all the lies that you spoke about in Painkiller, did anyone email you or contact you about like challenging the actual facts of what you wrote? Not really. I, I didn't get emails. I do sometimes, but those are usually like, you should be ashamed of yourself. You suck. <laughs> You're a horrible person. Yeah. Um, I did get a lot of comments on the article. Most of them were supportive uh, for a lot of pain patients who are saying oh, this okay. is this is 100 percent true. You know, yeah. I am. I have to drive this far to get to a doctor who will prescribe yeah. me the meds I need. Or, right. you know, someone saying the doctor says, I have to take these drugs every single day in the same dose, whether I need them or not. You know, I'm not allowed yep. to skip a day if I don't need it, or they'll yep. just cut off my prescription. I got a yep. lot of those, but the, the biggest comments I would get, it's like, it's from people that I wonder if they know how to read or if they, yep. they're just trained to look at a headline. Yeah. Because as I said earlier, you know, the second or third paragraph of the story that's is right. a quote from Jacob Solom and and right he's a libertarian he writes for Reason magazine yeah. and even they're like look the Sacklers did bad stuff you know mm -hmm. yeah. they should have known that a town of 3000 people did not need 300,000 doses of oxycontin That's right? right point 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 taken i totally accept that i don't even deny that people do indeed take that drug for a legitimate reason and and develop some level of addiction that does happen but that's not the majority of people that's not pain patients Right. Yeah. That's that you're taking exceptions and you're trying yeah. to make them a rule. 
Yeah. And that drives me nuts. So so that's what I was getting in the in the comment section from people. I would get people saying uh, they'd be like, oh, so the Sacklers are just angels, right, and yeah. uh, and <laughs> yeah, and they yeah, didn't do so, anything wrong. And right. they, this whole yeah. this whole issue is made up. And, yeah. And I have, to, and I have yeah. to respond. I quit responding after a while, but I would respond to people and say, did you read the article that you're that guy Greg? On? You're talking about that guy Greg. <laughs> I read those comments. <laughs> yes, that's who you're talking about. I responded to too. I'm like, do you even, did you read this? Like, what are you even talking about? Nobody said you should read the comments, Claudia. And for people who are, you know, you're watching this podcast, it's uh, American Council on Science and Health Painkiller. Netflix miniseries tells shameless lies about opioids. And Cameron starts by painkiller is a textbook example of a show clearly meant to sway public perceptions on a critical public health issue even if that means lying to viewers along the way. And when I said that on TikTok, yeah. people were like, well, it was pretty clear to me. It happened to me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, no. okay. I said, I said I, I'm confused because I lived in a hospital bed for 10 years, right? I have this port here in my chest that delivers me medication. Why was I never overprescribed OxyContin? I mean, and that's the thing. Like, if you look at every single person in the United States at one point, will probably get a prescription for opioids. Maybe not today, but, you know, yeah. both of my children have had it for surgeries or whatever. My husband has had it. Everyone I know has had it. And, and I only know one person who became addicted from it. So how come? Like, if everyone becomes addicted, then why isn't everyone addicted? No one thinks about it logically. Yeah. You know, to that point, um, again, Jacob Solomon, his article, excuse me, my microphone is being a little uh, sassy I'm looking, right now. I, we follow Jacob so closely. Yeah. In this article, he talks about, he's responding to something one of the prop goons said in, in yeah. some, some interview or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he said, he said, you know, if there's, and he's talking about drug diversion, where the prescriptions yeah. go from, from, you know, people that need them medically to uh, recreational users or, or abusers, yeah. whatever. And he says, you know, if there's so many of these pills left over... <laughs> Maybe that's a hint that the drugs are not quite as addictive as you say they are. Right. You know, Bingo. and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean diversion isn't a problem. It doesn't mean people are buying the pills from their friends or stealing them. I mean, you can say that those happen get so so wrong is like you know some guy breaks his back and he gets the drug and within three months he's like biting off his finger at a restaurant with oh my gosh that was re- I, t- I had to text claudia when i saw that i was like claudia they literally had him so high that he bit his finger off yeah. while he was yeah. at the restaurant yeah i've, I've been on dilated iv like every four hours i have never accidentally bitten my finger off or yeah. even it like thought it could be possible on opioids no that's and that, that trial that was just had with the kid with the red hair alex um what was that big trial he killed his son he killed his oh, yeah. wife yeah, they yeah, wanted yeah. to use oxycontin as the reason yeah well that's he was strung up on oxycontin because yeah. it's always convenient right like well let's see who can we play i know let's blame the sackler family my car didn't start can we yeah. sue the sackler? <laughs> but the thing is like they want to say that 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 Sacklers Purdue lied, pain patients lie, doctors lie, they all use false information. But if you listened to Peter Burke in that interview, who was the director, yeah. he told outright 100% lies that that, yeah. that aren't even remotely true and absolutely make no sense. So the fact that I heard that man speak, then I was like, oh, that makes sense that he directed this show because he doesn't even he doesn't know what he's talking about at all. 
Hey, Cameron, yeah. do you have any suggestions for advocates like ourselves, you know, in trying to fight this propaganda? Because that's what we do every day. We have to debunk lies. I mean, we wake up, we start debunking lies from the time we wake up until yeah. the time we go to bed. Yeah. The best thing, and it's it's not sexy advice, but it's true advice, is persistence. It, it's it, what, what you're doing when you're doing this kind of patient advocacy or science advocacy or whatever, you're doing sales. You're effectively cold calling yeah. people on social media or whatever your platform is. And so you just have to keep at it. And what that will develop in you is a toughness and a willingness to keep going and to get better. You refine the way you present information. You know, it's really commonly said today that facts don't matter when you're trying to convince someone. And my response yeah. always is really, is that a fact? Yeah. You know, so it's, <laughs> it's like, so it's like facts do matter. Now you can't go to someone and say, now, according to this 2016 study in the New England Journal of Medicine, according yeah. to uh, Nora Volkow, yeah. like, like that's yeah. not the approach. But mm. if you can say, according to this study, my friends are killing themselves because you have cut off the medication right. that they need. That that's is right. a fact. That's right. And it hits people at home because there's a lot yeah. of people. And again, suicide is tragic. I'm not I'm not trying to minimize addiction or, or pain or suicide. I'm not trying to downplay any of this, but... There's a lot of people that know someone who tried to commit suicide or did commit suicide. And That's so right. if you can frame the issue in a way that resonates with whomever you're talking to, that's how you do it. Yeah. You know, so it's not easy. That's good advice. I would say like, I'm like 55% because sometimes I just get so irritated with people that I, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't say what I should say. You yeah. know what I mean? Especially yeah. in the comment section sometimes. Oh my gosh. So it's yeah, it's a it's a refinement <laughs> process. But yeah. really it's just persistence and learning what works and what doesn't. It's like anything yeah. else in life, really. You made a comment in that article that I didn't see anyone really talk about before with painkiller. And I don't know if it was the same with dope sick that they didn't even use the word fentanyl in the entire series. No, not one not time. Once. Mm. Did I they think, in dope sick? Did you pay I attention? Think they, I think I, I was looking for it. I think they mentioned it passively, but they okay. framed it as, you know, people are going to get heroin or going to get fentanyl. Like, I think okay. the young the young woman, the coal miner in, in uh, yeah. Dope Sick, I think okay. she eventually overdoses on heroin. heroin I thought, right? right? Like yeah. like the drug dealer says, I don't have OC, but I got this other stuff. It's really yeah. good, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if they do mention it, they will say, you know, they started on the prescription stuff and then they yeah. went to the dirty, nasty street stuff. Yeah. And Painkiller, not a single person Nothing. mentions nor, nor do they say that prescriptions have plummeted. And since 2010, overdose deaths have at least doubled. It depends on the estimate you look at. So, so in other words, the problem that you said was going to be solved, and I, and I, Bev, I think you said this earlier, the problem you said was going to be solved has actually gotten worse. That's right. So let's have that conversation. You know, yeah. that's another good point that's you can exactly bring up right. with people. Yeah, what did it solve? It didn't yeah. solve anything. There's no evidence that drug abuse or misuse, whatever you want to call it, is down at all. And and there's a lot of evidence that overdoses are up. So what got better other than lowered prescribing? Because that was yeah. the ultimate goal, I guess, because they don't even measure the patient outcome. Like we're out here flailing and they don't even they don't even measure it. But Barry Meyer, we looked into him a little bit. He's the one who wrote the book yeah. Painkiller. And yeah. he really he's really a journalist for MDL, like for litigation purposes. He seems to have gone after a lot of like 
I think you went after like breast implant and there's litigation there. And he wrote about the tobacco litigation too. So I think that was his job. But he has come out and said, just like Kolodny, that uh, suicide due to pain doesn't exist. We have two quotes from Barry Meyer saying that it's it's false. It's not true. And he makes fun of pain patients also. Like part of their narrative is blaming pain patients for vilifying people who get addicted. And so we're not even allowed to say that if a doctor's like, oh, I think you're addicted. And we say, but I don't, I don't have OUD. Then we're, we're really yelled at for stigmatizing people with OUD. But I think people with OUD have every right for treatment of what they need. But I'm not going to say I have OUD if I don't. If I had it, I would want yeah. that treatment also. We're just one group, they say. We're all people who need drugs. And that part is really true. But in the sense of like what the diagnosis is of what we need for our illness, it, it's not exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have a voice. Like the pain community just... No. And, yeah. and you've given them a voice yeah. with your article. And, yeah. and that's why we need more. Even Jacob, would love to see you... Do you and Jacob have any plans of maybe collaborating on something together? I, I don't know. I'd love you... to. I've been a big oh, fan of his amazing. work. I don't I don't know him personally. I do follow him. Um I think he's retreated retreated stuff that I've written, but um okay. no, I, I haven't worked with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to the thing you said, the the point that, that we hear about, you know, uh pain patients are are playing for addiction. Dr. Jeffrey Singer uh, yeah. Senior fellow at the Cato Institute, a, and a surgeon as well. You know, a doctor who has prescribed drugs, so he knows. And again, yeah. that's another thing: is a lot of these these prohibitionist zealots, they don't actually have any experience treating patients. Yeah. But that's that's another point. They're any psychi- case, they're psychiatrists. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Singer pointed out in a review article, peer reviewed review article, he said, you know, um, yesterday's patients are not today's addicts. That's exactly right. There's lots of research, and he cited one study, I think it's from 2007, you probably know the paper, but it was yeah. 27,000 um, uh, OxyContin addicts. Yeah. And I think 78% of those people said, I was never prescribed this for a medical reason. I took these pills to get high. That's right. And I got them from, you know, I stole them from someone or I bought them from someone, you know? Yeah. So that, and I mean, that's not the only study. I mean, going back to the 1980s and not just the, the, not just the letter that they like to blow up in shows like Painkiller. I mean, it's, it's gotta be hundreds of studies at this point that have looked at this very specific question. If if someone gets injured and you give them uh, an opioid analgesic, how do they use it? And the vast majority of people use it until the pain is at a tolerable level and then they stop and that's yeah. why there's so many pills left over and as and that's again right. as you both as you both mentioned earlier it's usually people that have a past uh, of drug abuse you know they, they've been to aa or they've been to treatment for alcoholism or you know there's yeah. some unresolved issue so maybe it's a it's a psychological so- disorder or something trauma it's trauma a lot of times it is trauma but right. they've been going after oxycontin and purdue for a long time dr chad colis i don't know if you follow him on twitter he is a palliative care doctor he's on our board and he's phenomenal he's been at this a long long time and he's the one who pointed out to us that in the early 2000s like 2001 mm-hmm. um orlando sentinel in florida wrote a series of three articles about oxycontin and how all of these people are dying from it and then it came out very soon after that that she lied. She had to retract the information and she actually had to resign. I think her last name was Bloodworth. She had to resign because it wasn't true. I think she said that her informants lied to her saying it was OxyContin when it was actually a multi, you know, polypharmacy. But it didn't matter because the ball was already rolling and then there was a hearing and then there was this and then there was that. And I think that was the initial push to go after Purdue. But they still, I mean, in Dope Sick, they... 
I think they talked about in Painkiller too. They really do tell the truth at first when they're like, oh, well, there was only 12 deaths that had oxycodone in it, in yeah. their in their blood. And so then they had to go back and say, well, it doesn't right. matter. They're polypharmacy. And, they would have died anyway, which right, there's no right, way to right. know that. And we've got right. doctors in prison, Cameron. Dr. Bill Bauer, 87 yeah. years old, he writes me. And I've been able to generate some support for him. You know, I'll go on TikTok. Please write Dr. Bill Bauer a letter and... We've got doctors who are in, they're incarcerated uh, for for patients that overdosed and the person that overdosed had treat fentanyl and yeah. cocaine. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, wow, well, he overdosed. So we're going to blame it on the, pres- it's it's the oxycodone. It's what the doctor did. Yeah. And the, they would still be here if the doctor didn't prescribe it because let's face it, this country, they've divorced themselves from reality. Yeah. We've yeah. divorced. And, you know, I found that in Rhode Island, I have to push them in the corner. I mean, I had to physically corner Dr. Jim McDonald, who <laughs> thankfully he's vacated the state. And I he's a little peanut. He's probably four, <laughs> four eleven. And I said, listen, you little short fuck. <laughs> I said, people are dead because of you. Yeah. People are dead. You killed people. Right. And he's and he he called a lawmaker I work with. He's like, Claudia Miranda, I'm afraid of her. She's hostile. (laughs) And so this is what I have had to do in Rhode Island. I have to testify and I have to put them in the corner. And now I'm working and I go into the the (laughs) conference room with my lobbyist and my lobbyist is very Italian. He's like, oh. No one leaves here until there's a solution. Because you, you, I've had to physically yeah. threaten them, but yeah. I got the, sh- I got the job done. Yeah. yeah, there's no reasoning, and if you give them an inch, yeah. an inch, they will take a yard. So I tell people, you put, you force them in the corner. There's a doc. There's a two pain clinics that were just shut down in Washington, and yeah. the Washington Medical Commission's like. Oh, well, well, you're protected if you take the patients. I went on TikTok. I was like, you're not protected. You get you get immunity from these thieving whores. Yeah. Nobody's protected. They're fucking liars. Mm-hmm. You don't take on any patient unless you get immunity. But this is what, like, dope yeah. sick. And yeah. everybody, you know, they applaud dope sick. What are you applauding this this shit for? And so, my favorite, like, and Claudia, my favorite thing of, of all of this is they say, even with Dope Sec, they're like, well, I'm so glad that this is finally being spoken about because oh, no. No, one, no one's talking about it. It's all that's <laughs> any, I'm so, so glad that it's, this opens up conversations because no one's talking about. But I want to play two. They're only like 30 second clips because these are the two worst. I'll link in the show notes the entire Joe Rogan thing. But I need to play this because it has bothered me so, so much. This is Peter Berg talking about the label, right? So listen. They took them to a hotel on the East Coast. Purdue Pharma took Curtis Wright of the FDA. Spent a couple of days in this hotel room. They came out of the hotel room with an approval, with the language, Oxycontin, quote, is believed to be non-addictive. Is believed, not is not but is believed to not be addictive. Okay, because that's an outright lie, because that's not even close to what the label actually said at all. Let's see, I've already here. Delayed absorption as provided by OxyContin is believed to lower abuse liability of the drug. They didn't say anything about it being non-addictive or addictive. Yeah. So that was a lie. At the time when they wrote that label, wasn't long-acting opioids believed to have less abuse liability? Isn't that true? Yeah. My understanding is that the reason that language is there is because the FDA had approved MS content, which had the same time release system. Yeah. So 
based on that and, and based on the data that Purdue had to submit for that initial approval, yeah. that initial um, marketing approval, they would have had to show that. Now, did anything nefarious go on on the FDA? There's a case for that. I don't know. Sure. I'm, I'm not partial to the FDA. I think the way that Same. they handle a lot of issues, like the way that they handle tobacco harm reduction, which is another issue I work on, is preposterous. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just absurd. And maybe you guys know about that too. But, but anyways, I have no special feelings for the FDA. Nevertheless, I think to say that they just kind of like, oh yeah, rubber stamp, that's fine. You know, yeah, Purdue wrote a paper with Curtis Wright and, you know, and they talk in, in further on in the show about how, you know, they made some kind of like really debauched party in that hotel room. It's like, I don't know that if that happened, maybe it did. But you don't know, don't like know. You're, you're just you're just speculating. And it's funny, the lawyers and Peter Berg says this. He's like the lawyers for Netflix were like, yeah, you got you to take that out. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You're just making things up at that point. So, yeah, I, I mean, again, did the FDA do something dubious or unethical? Maybe they did, but it's it's not the point that they're trying to make is they're trying to say the FDA basically rubber stamped this. And as yeah. a result, all these people got hooked and died. That's and, right. It's just not not that easy. I mean, if the FDA no. does anything wrong, what they do wrong is they keep drugs off the market because they're afraid of being yelled at if they're side effects. Like the stuff they're doing with the ALS drugs. I follow that. That's terrible. It's a horrible right. situation. Or, or like, you know, the, like you can't get drugs that have been approved by, you know, say like a really high quality regulator in the European Union. If yeah. they approve a drug, the FDA doesn't necessarily let you access it because yeah. they say we have to do our own research. Yeah. And it's so expensive and so time consuming. A lot of companies are like, we're just not going to sell it in the U.S. It's just not worth it, you know? Yeah. And before we get attacked by the world, in case you didn't say that enough, we are not saying the FDA has never done anything wrong. Like it's not, that's not what it's about. But they make it sound like Curtis Wright had a deal with the FDA before he left Purdue. And nobody knows if that's true or not. He says it's not. I don't know. But I do know in that interview, I think it was that one where Peter Burke said people found Curtis Wright. He's trying to live in a remote town and people found him. And and that made me worried for him. I hope he has bodyguards because there's a lot of people in this country right now who think he's the reason why their children are dead. I I didn't watch Painkiller, but from what you're telling me is completely the opposite of what these people on social media. One lady put out a video and she's like, see, they didn't have to go through a process at the FDA. The FDA just no. takes your word. No. And that's why that's all of these happens. people are dying. And it's my God, we went from opioids should never be used as a first line of defense, which they never were, as we've been sick our whole life, they never yeah. were, and now we've arrived at, turns out opioids don't even work for pain. They make pain worse. Not even they don't work, but they yeah, cause they pain. With, yeah, yeah. With yeah. opioid-induced yeah. hypothesia, that doesn't exist. So this is the other, I'm only going to play one more quote because this one had me scratching my head. I don't even understand what he's talking about. So here. Are these medical journals, right? Like there's something called the New England Journal of Medicine. Like a big thing is for a doctor and these journals are owned by the pharmaceutical companies, right? So think about it. You own Purdue Pharma. You either buy or control medical journals that write favorable articles about your products, about your drugs. So in the case of Oxycontin, there was an, a small small like almost a letter to the editor written about oxycontin being less than one percent addictive in in the in a medical journal which so sounds like official and like okay well damn joe's in a medical journal right Let, let's go but these are controlled by drug companies and they're not legit it's fake news and it's all part of the ecosystem of selling drugs so claudia i have to say he literally just said 
that they wrote about OxyContin in this, mm-hmm. they, she's talking about the Porter and Jick, that famous five sentence letter to the editor where, and in this Porter and Jick study, he just, he just observed people in the hospital. People were given opioids in the hospital, followed them after, how many developed an addiction. But this letter to the editor in New England Journal of Medicine, which he calls a thing called New England Journal, was written in 1980. So how, it was written in 1980, Claudia. So how he could say that it, it wrote about OxyContin in 1980 because OxyContin wasn't made till 1996. So I think Peter Berg has a lot of his, that one, embar- I'm embarrassed for him with that one though. But that he's was an a- actor. I can't even believe people are putting, because when Beth told me this, is like, Beth, my daughter's father's, they went to school with him in the city. He's an actor. Yeah, but now he's going to be considered an expert and that's the yes. whole problem. Barry right, Meyer's considered right, right. an expert yes, now. And, yes, and yes. Danny Strong and right, Beth Macy, course. they're considered considered experts now on and it's the same thing happened to what's that other guy who what was his name he wrote the um what was that i always forget his name he's another journalist and he wrote uh about the opioid crisis years ago and he's been asked to speak at all these different opioid summits and stuff i yeah and, i don't it's understand what it's what we go up against like there's a guy gary mandel his his son oh, uh committed suicide this man is a millionaire he's he pays his employees He's a billionaire. so much, like $300,000 is yeah. the average salary for these people. And, <laughs> and he's considered an expert. This yeah, he's invited everywhere. It's Sam Quinones, however you pronounce his last name. Sam Quinones, he has been considered and he's invited to all these things to speak also. Um, and yeah, and Beth Arm, Beth, you know, Beth Macy and Danny. And, and I do think... I do think that Beth Macy meant well. I don't think these people got into it necessarily to lie and hurt people. But I think at some point they need to come out and say, wait a second, we were wrong. This was wrong. But I don't know. Beth Macy blocked me on Twitter. Did she block you, Cameron? I don't know. I I don't. uh, I didn't look at what they were saying. I just don't care. I hope that you write more, Cameron, because I, I, you... I will. I'm I'm working on a story about addiction. It's something that I've been interested in because I've oh, been great. writing a lot about food addiction and the fat acceptance movement. And this is a whole nother shtick oh, that people wow. are developing is that, you know, see, it's not my fault that I'm obese and diabetic. It's oh, Coca-Cola for, for lying to me <laughs> about sugar. And mm. it's, wait, it's, what? It's... People are actually saying that? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went on. Um, wow. I went on the Dr. Phil show last year to talk about the body positivity movement, uh-huh. and because uh, I had written about that, and the producer saw it. But I was debating this woman and her husband, who they call themselves body positivity advocates or whatever, right? So Cameron, they're, they're, they're. I love you. You know, and it's like again, and I, this is a whole different topic. But it's like I was really overweight as a kid. I know the shame that goes with that. I know the yeah. insecurity, and I don't think people need to be mistreated because of their size. Whether whether it's like yeah, it's an eating disorder or it's overeating, whatever it is, you know, like people deserve yeah. dignity just as fellow humans. That's right. Nevertheless, the answer to that is not to make up a bunch of fairy tales about food addiction and how you can't stop eating hot Cheetos because Frito-Lay just <laughs> makes them so, so delicious. It's like, that's dumb, you know? Yeah. Anyways, but it, it's the same sort of nonsense. Yeah. They've divorced themselves from reality. Yeah. There's no, oh, I got slaughtered for this one. I said, that it takes some accountability, right? No, no. because- oh. 
You can't say that. No. You can't use the because, word accountability. Because part of the whole narrative is that it's a broken brain, is that it's an illness where you have zero choice in the matter. And I'm not saying it's 100% a choice where there isn't anything biological happening. I'm not saying that. But it is not a broken brain where there is absolutely nothing you can do. But they needed it to be like that so that they're looked at as just victims of pharma, victims yeah. of the doctor, and then they didn't have any choice. And that's, you know, that's what needed. And yeah, I didn't know they were doing I'm that like, about food. Did we not ask you anything that you wanted to talk about? No, Did that we was cover all, everything? I had, I, had, I had points that we could jump into, but we covered most of them. So yeah, yeah. and it's your show. Okay. So whatever you want to talk yeah. about. No, I mean, I was so excited to see, I, when I saw ACSH, I thought it was Josh and I, he always writes the best articles. But then when I saw it was someone new, I was like, oh my gosh, new blood, yeah. new people who yeah. learn about our issue. And then when I read Greg going after you, I was like, okay, yeah, we got to. I didn't see Do Greg. I didn't it. I was just scrolling. under the comments. I haven't seen it's the under comments. the comments. There's a lot of them. So Cameron, we really enjoyed uh, our time spent with you today. And we're going to Bev is going to link your podcast. Once again, what's the name of your podcast? And how often are you uh, uploading episodes? Thank you for that. It's called the Science Facts and Fallacies podcast. You can get it anywhere you get podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that. It's on all the platforms. It's a weekly show. I host it with, an, as I mentioned, an ER physician. And we just take three news stories from the headlines. Um, could be about uh, biotechnology. It could be about vaccines. could be about pesticides. We just take three stories and then I throw questions at her as a layperson, and I say, you know, how does this work, or why is this safe, or why is this dangerous, or you know, what do people get wrong about this? And she just answers my questions. So I, th I think I think folks might enjoy that if you're just you want to learn about science and you want to have a better sense of you know what's going on in these discussions, then come join us. We'd love to have yeah. you. So were you a science uh, kid growing up? I was not really a science kid. I was a history geek and I loved writing in high school, mm. which is why I got into it. But I, I got I got fascinated with science in my my late teens when I started doing science journal because I started learning about genetics and I started wow. learning about all of this complex machinery that keeps us alive, you know, you know, DNA transcription and all of these different things. It's 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 so fascinating. And then I started learning about biotechnology, like how do you make uh, a food crop disease resistant you know how like how did they figure that out and the answer is well there's all this stuff going on at the cellular level that just happens and so we learned how to co-opt that to yeah. make our food safer and to develop vaccines and to develop <laughs> drugs for, for for things like sickle cell right there's things in the pipeline and it's all based in biotechnology and biomedicine so once that light bulb went on i went oh this is so cool and i need to you know, do this, write about this and talk about it. Well, thank right. you, Cameron. Thanks for tuning yeah. into this episode of the Doctor Patient Forum podcast. Don't forget, follow Cameron English's work, follow his podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to have you on again, Cameron. Be well. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, and if I can, just to be a shameless whore for a yeah. second, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Cam J English. Just the first three letters of my name and then J English. If you want to call me a shill or ask me questions, I'd, I'd love to do either. Thank you so much, Cameron. The link to our Patreon page is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash the doctor patient forum. If you haven't been over there, I hope you will consider checking it out. We have three different tiers, $5, $15, $30. Our highest tier, we include four coaching calls that you get with it. We have a lot of extra video podcasts and after the show podcasts. It's just been a lot of fun being able to build that little community over there. So I hope to see you over there.
Thank you once again for listening to our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, please follow us on Spotify, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and share with anyone that you think might benefit from this information. Just a quick disclaimer, the information contained in this podcast should not be considered medical or legal advice.